Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Stephen Platt, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. It's still Christmas! Yay! Uh, Yes, this is the second of our Christmas films that we are reviewing, uh, and this week is the one that was chosen exclusively by our Patreons. Uh, They all got together and they said, Stephen, we would really, really like to have you review Love Actually. So that's what we're going to review. Joining me to review this uh, comedy Christmas caper, we have two guests, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has seen the film and returning to the programme, it's Nicola Brescianini. Welcome back, Nicola. Thanks, Stephen. And uh, how's things? Yeah, things are going good. It was the last day of school today. Oh, yes, because you're a uh, you're a teacher. Yes, I am. So uh, I'm officially on Christmas holidays. Yes, and uh, the the very festive uh, Minnie Mouse ears that look like they're Chris- uh, like a Christmas wreath. They are, yeah. yeah. They're uh, green, green and shiny with a nice red bow and some mm. holly. Yes, yeah, so came decked out. Were you wearing them in school today? Or? I was. Oh. And my bell earrings. Did you see those? Oh yes, yeah, very festive. Yeah, very festive. Excellent. And you have seen Love Actually. Yes, I have. Lots and lots and lots of times. Okay. I love this movie. And in a very vague, uh, non-spoilery sort of way, um, what, what are your thoughts on the film in general? Do you enjoy it? Uh, is it a good film? I, I think it's very clever the way that they have um, have created these characters and these stories. I think it's a really good movie and it's definitely worth watching. Well, uh, joining us as our person who will be watching it for the first time and making his debut, it's a Christmas miracle! <laughs> It actually is. Uh, Mr. Philip Hutton. Welcome, Philip. Thank you, Stephen. Hello. And uh, just for the folks at home, who are you and what do you do? Uh, my name is Philip. I am pretty much just a student at Murdoch University doing my PhD. That's all I do, really. And um, We have quite a few uh, PhD candidates and indeed uh, an increasing number of doctors now <laughs> who are graduating. What are you doing your PhD in? Um, th- that's a very good question. Uh I think at the moment it's trying to mix theatre and astronomy. Ooh. Nice. Somehow. I like that. Oh, thank you. Someone likes it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And you haven't seen Love Actually? No, no, I haven't. But I've heard that it's really good. Is that the, the only thing you've heard about it? Or do you know anything else about the film? Oh, well, no, my friends say that there were only two Christmas movies. That is Die Hard and Love Actually. And all I know about this movie is it has a bunch of really cool actors in it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it does. It I don't even know names. My friends just looked it up on online, and they said there's good people in it. Oh, you'll recognise everyone the second the people come on screen. You'll be like, no, mm. them, no, them, no, them. Including a few people who weren't really that famous at the time, yeah. but have gone on to become quite famous um, as well. There's a few where it's like, oh wow, okay. 
I love it when that happens in movies. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we'll try and keep a tally of how many people you recognise as we go. That's probably a fun thing to do. Ah, cool. Excellent. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, Love Actually, it, it's an interesting one just in terms of choosing as a Christmas film because it really, I mean, it's a romance film, first and foremost. It but just takes place at Christmas time. Yeah. It's a coincidence. And, yeah. It's and a it, coincidence. It, it, it's an interesting one in, in that perspective of, is this really... A, more a rom-com than it is a Christmas film. That That's just one of the things. Because obviously, I mean, our Patreons obviously all agree that it's um, that it's a Christmas film because every single one of them suggested it. <laughs> kind of like Die Hard. Yeah. It's another one of those films that just kind of takes place at Christmas time but doesn't necessarily revolve around it. Mm. Just another coincidence. I haven't seen Die Hard either. Have <gasps> I? Really? Uh, no, I haven't. I've seen bits of it and I've had it quoted at me beyond beyond count so i'm sure i know the ending of it but no okay well die hard's not the one with arnold schwarzenegger no, no. it's no. Uh, jingle all the way never mind yes okay very much very i, I remember that problem. film oh. put the cookie down <laughs> excellent all right well uh, shall we watch the film yes. yes all right ladies and gentlemen at home uh, prepare to put in your dvds and uh, grab your cd copy of christmas is all around as we prepare to watch love actually We have just finished watching Love Actually, and by we, I mean Nicola and Philip. Hello. So, uh, guys, what did we think of Love Actually? All right, you've been waiting. Go ahead. Oh, it was very funny. Very funny. It was good. (laughs) It was, it was, ah. I I didn't think I'd like that film. I really didn't, but I did. I liked that film. You liked that film? Hilarious. Yes. Excellent. Good. And um, what what, what did you like the most about it, I guess, Phil? The thing that I liked the most about it would be... uh, well, pretty much everything Bill Nye did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, no, he was so good. He's wonderful. And, uh, and his I, costumes. Oh, man. Okay. I mean, I know this is a visual, not, not a visual medium, but, but, but Bill Nye's wardrobe is my ideal wardrobe. It's, it's what we aspire <laughs> the to. The blue yeah. suit at the end when he comes out of Heathrow. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Not big on fur generally, but if that's a fake faux fur coat, yeah. then yes, I'd be good for that. It's part of the look. Just colourful and he's just wonderful. I almost feel as though this is the film that sort of reintroduced Bill Nye to a lot of people because uh, uh, to be honest this is probably the film that actually made him successful because he, he didn't really find major success mm. until he did this and uh, the second and third Pirates of the Caribbean yeah. film and that's all around that sort of early to mid 2000s. Yeah. Um, but yeah he's just great in this. He's just <laughs> so fun. He's so He's I mean, so charismatic. It, he is, yeah. But in an awful, awful way. Yeah. Well, I want to be like that when I'm in my mid fifties. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing that, you're all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, he's just he's playing that that aged rocker, you know, that kind of like Mick Jagger type character, yeah. um, and yeah. just just playing it the way that I think a lot of the audience would like that person to be like. You know, you'd like them to go. Yeah, I did a load of drugs and it was great. Yeah, I've slept with loads of people and it was great. Britney but, Spears was rubbish. Yeah, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, yeah, he's such an... And again, it, this is a really interesting film to try and review because it's so many different storylines that are sort of loosely connected. And so many characters. But th- there are some... There are, there are, they're, they're all quite good. I don't think there's any that really hit a bum note, I guess. Like, were there any characters that you... Or storylines that you guys were watching and going, I don't really care for that, actually. Oh, I hate Mia. 
Well, yes, you hate me. A different. The one with the, who received the locket. The one who was going to have the affair oh, with Alan Rickman. Oh, she's fantastic. I loved Mia. No, Just her to... and her long neck. I hate them both. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were commenting about how uh, different people in this film who wear turtlenecks, because there's a few of them, how, how good or not good they looked. And her, apparently her long neck doesn't suit the turtleneck. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's that she's just like really skinny or if she actually has a long neck or if it's the really short haircut. I think it might be the haircut. It could be all three. Maybe mm. her boobs are really just far down. I don't know what it is. Home record vibe that she wrote but but it's still a good story it's not it is yeah you're not feeling indifferent because you hate her you're just like no yeah you're making emma thompson sad oh oh emma thompson (laughs) i know oh she's so sweet i know know. and that's the hard thing about trying to review this is because you just you remember something else because they're all connected and you go emma thompson who's brothers with the prime minister who does the funny dance and yeah so it's yeah so i will try we'll try go through um in a chronological order, I guess. Oh, okay. So the, you'll need to write. Yeah. <laughs> Chronological's good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the film begins uh, at the airport and we see all those shots of uh, different people uh, coming together and greeting and they're all real people. That's real footage. Yeah. Um, so the, the film crew went to Heathrow for a week and just filmed people at the arrivals gate um, oh. and then asked them, would you like to, or would you allow us to use this footage as part of the film and all the people that agreed are people in the film. Wouldn't oh, you be pissed real. if you said yes and then you were in one of those tiny little squares <laughs> right at the end of the film? Still counts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you'd be there actually. pausing it and going, that one's me, that one, uh, oh. third from the left, eighth down. Yeah. Yeah. Do that awkward thing where you kind of like superimpose it to show your yeah, friends. Yeah, zoom right in. <laughs> yeah, um, but we start with that scene and we have uh, Hugh Grant doing a voiceover and we don't know at this point that Hugh Grant is actually uh, playing the part of the Prime Minister, and he's called the Prime Minister because he isn't actually named in this film. Isn't he? No. That explains why I couldn't think of it. Yeah. And, uh, no, it's David. He's da- David. David. Oh, sorry. I'm getting uh, an interjection <laughs> from uh, Ellen Sears, who's uh, uh, off mic. Uh, yes, sorry. Uh, yes, producer Ellen. He's, he's David. His name is David. That sounds right, but I've got the official cast list here, and it just, just says the Prime Minister. But can't you just picture Natalie being like, David? Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> is a lot of legs, David? Yes, okay. It is David. <laughs> My apologies. I, I will retract that. Anyway, the Prime Minister. Uh, Hugh Grant <laughs> is playing David Prime Minister. Yes. I presume his last name is Prime David Minister. David PM. Yeah, David da- PM. Dave P. Minister is his name. <laughs> and um, yeah, so he, he is uh, he's the Prime Minister and he gets uh, sworn into office about five weeks before Christmas. Well, hey, uh, he meets all his staff and... Um, the first person he meets who's <laughs> roughly in his age bracket, he instantly falls in love with. Happens him. every time. Yeah. yeah. And there's going to be a lot of this. Like, you meet someone who it seems appropriate that you should be having a relationship with. Bam. That, you know, the, the mystery clarinet player goes, <laughs> with their <with laughs> <a> romance inducing <laughs> clarinet. And um, they meet and they, they hit it off straight away. We cut to, uh, we have Billy Mac singing Christmas is all around me oh, at the beginning. The best so piece of cinema good. I've seen in ages. Just a really great way to introduce the film. It's sort of introduced that, that, that tone and that very, that particular style of um, British humour, which is pre- prevalent in this film, which yeah. is saying lots of funny swear words, you know, like bollocks, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> things like that. Uh, but also um, having characters who just, generally aren't having a great time and thinking everything's daft and everything's stupid but but it's all surrounded by this christmas yeah just reveling in it yeah it's it <laughs> that, is when you're that one person who isn't enjoying christmas and is you're surrounded 
maybe. No, <laughs> I like Christmas. Yeah, plenty fine. It's Christmas great. is great. Um, and then we get a little bit of Colin Firth, um, who is going off to the wedding. Uh, Colin Firth has a character name, Jamie. Uh, Jamie. <laughs> and uh, he goes off and he comes back from the wedding and he finds out that his wife is cheating on him with his brother. Now, Phil, <laughs> what your face is a picture at the moment of, oh, that's right. Um, I was so emotionally invested in Colin Firth's storyline. Like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know earlier I said Bill Nye was my favourite part. That was a lie. It was Colin Firth. Mm. I I forgot about that. Yeah. So emotional, so real. Well, yeah, and it was. Yeah, it's quite sad because we we see him very early on in the film as Jamie. And then we don't see him for a while because, you know, there's like 10, 20 other plot lines happening. And then all of a sudden he's in a house in France and he's writing a novel. So clearly he's gone through this um his marriage breaking down he's gone yeah. right i'm gonna go Could to france i'm not gonna fall in love <laughs> i'm just gonna write this novel that seems to be the thing you have to do if your marriage breaks apart is go to france and start a novel yeah mm. that's what i'm um, gonna do yeah yeah, yeah definitely mm. i bought my plane ticket <laughs> <laughs> and um so he goes there and uh he is introduced to aurelia his portuguese uh, housemaid and they, despite not having a uh, common language, because she only speaks Portuguese, uh, he speaks English and French quite badly. Oh, it writes itself, doesn't it? It's yeah. already a sexy. Spanish. A little bit. <laughs> um, non-verbal communication. Hmm. <laughs> what was it that appealed to you about this storyline, Phil? I don't know. I, I really don't know. Um, I, I love the just subtitles. Sweet. Yeah, the subtitles probably <laughs> did it. Mm. I mean, everyone else has got these fantastic, very Christmas-centric sort of... I don't even know if that's a word, Christmas-centric. Well, well, I'll pay it. Christmas-centric. Lovely. Yeah, they've got these storylines with Christmas or, you know, the Christmas play. But these two are just trying to survive in southern France, I Mm. guess. It's not that Christmassy. They're just... They can't speak to each other and they're just trying to get along. It's, It's... I don't know. I don't know what appealed to me about it, actually. I don't watch a lot of romance films, but I feel like that's a bit of a unique kind of storyline. What, the uh, boy who is a writer meets girl who is a maid and they don't have a common language? No, that one, that's happened the a fact, lot. But, like, but, but, the <laughs> fact that they don't... is it, I, I don't know, I don't watch romance. But the fact that they don't speak the same language and enti- like the basis of their entire plot is that. Yeah, the, hmm. only in the last conversation yeah. do they ever actually manage to understand each other. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, again, I have not watched every romance film ever made. In fact, I've watch very few but um i can't think of any examples that come to mind but i think it's in a film which explores so many different romantic plot lines yeah it really stands mm. out it does being stand quite out different. yeah it and it, it and it's it is fun it's really it, it's really funny you know um it, it's interesting seeing them when they're interacting with each other and they're not really being themselves but it's partly because they can't be themselves because they, they don't have the same language. They, they don't have that connection, but they make a connection just through a mutual attraction yeah. and work through it. And then, of course, we see Jamie at the language school, um, you know, <laughs> yes. trying to learn Portuguese. Yes, slavishly learning Portuguese. Yeah. You know, so it's tricky to learn another language. I mean, mm. that, that sounds obvious, but I'd got Duolingo on my phone. I've been trying to learn Spanish. Mm. Oh, I've been trying to do Italian. It's uh, hard. Right? No. <laughs> I don't know how they do it. It's. I think I started too late, maybe. But mm. I will learn. I will learn. Mm. It's going to happen. Well, Jamie's proof. Yes. 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 I just Motivation need to, I need to fall in love with a Spanish woman, and yeah. then I will. I'll yeah. be able to learn Spanish so I can propose to her exactly publicly. Mm. Yep. In, in Spain. three weeks or less. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Really, really um, lovely. Uh, uh, jumping to yet another um, storyline. Uh, we have um, a wedding. We actually start the film with a wedding. Um, we have um, oh, Kira Knightley, right? Kira <laughs> uh, Knightley playing Juliet, um, 
and she is getting married to Peter, uh, and Peter's uh, best man and best friend is Mark, played by uh, Walking Dead's own Andrew Lincoln. Right, without a beard. Without a beard. Without he looks, I mean, a beard. This is a fair few years before Walking Dead, but yeah, he looks so little, he looks yeah. so young, he looks like he's been eating regularly, as he opposed looks, to The Walking Dead. He's not from, like... You know, the south of I America. Laugh, but, I <laughs> mm. but um yeah, and uh, th- they have their wedding, and he... Uh, M- Mark Mark is an interesting character, because he um, he doesn't appear to really get on with many people, other than Peter, who's his best friend. Mm-hmm. To the point where uh, Laura Linney's character comes up to him at the wedding and says, you know, how long have you been in love with Peter? <laughs> they got that bromance going. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, of course, we find out partway through that he actually is in love with Juliet. Mm. Oh. And he he films a lot of her at the the wedding, um, and she finds out when she needs the footage, and yeah. she sees that all the shots are of her. Yeah, it's okay. really it's like yeah. yeah that moment when your, when you realize you've been stalked, your husband's best friends in love with you. <laughs> yeah, and it is an interesting one because I, I think what Richard Curtis has has tried to do is pick very different storylines, and I think it it's I think it's good in a way that mm. um, not all the storylines leave us with the same feeling of, oh, yeah, this is good, and, oh, this is really positive. Like, what yeah. what Mark uh, did, it could be considered, uh, at the very least, a bit weird, uh, <laughs> and at, at the worst, um, you know, uh, stalking of, of some degree. Yeah. Um, I don't know, how, how did it read for you on the, on the uh, on, I suppose, on the scale of creepy? Uh, wh- where did it come across? On the scale of creepy? Uh, I don't know, like, you see it, done and it doesn't seem that creepy it's like oh he was just he was filming and hmm. he was being artistic he's an artist that's that's an important detail he's an artistic oh, person true. so he kind of hmm. probably doesn't think in the same levels of i'm yeah. a creep phil right. i don't know if you've been paying attention to recent uh, hollywood things but artists don't necessarily get away with being creepy oh that is very very <laughs> true <Tropical. laughs> yeah. but the <clears> thing <throat> about that storyline as well is that he doesn't necessarily come across as entirely creepy because he has that real hesitation to want to... He doesn't really talk to her. He's not yeah. friendly with her. It would her. be creepy if he made that video all of her and then sent it to her anonymously that's in the creepy. mail with but like his fingernails he, in the envelope. He, <laughs> yes. A vial of his blood, Billy Bob. Yeah, Horn. that's, that's what it's like <laughs> Um But yeah, the fact that he's um, quite like reserved around her and he's not, you know, picking up the phone and dialing her at midnight and stuff, it's... I th- or he doesn't badmouth his best friend. Yeah, like he's. I, I think I don't know. I quite like the storyline. I think he's almost. I mean, you know, as noble as you can be when you're, you know, stalking your best friend's wife. Mm. I yeah, think he did a really good job yeah, in I've, the role as well with uh, trying not to come across as terribly creepy. Yeah, and I think it's a difficult uh, balance. And one of the bits of information from the uh, IMDb trivia troll um, <laughs> was that Andrew Lincoln was unsure initially about the character because he thought that particularly the handwritten signs was kind of on like a borderline stalker territory mm. but we, we, we commented while watching the film the handwritten signs is maybe the iconic scene from this film maybe maybe top two what would be the other one? Oh, um hugh grant dancing down the stairs oh yes okay i just remember those hand those handwritten signs that mm. picture he chose of like a mummified corpse yeah <laughs> that's a bit over the top like, like i was expecting like no, that, that took it there. That was like, wow. We are, like, anyway. Phil, he's Poor an choice. artist. Yeah, he's yeah. An artist. <laughs> that was the creep. That was the only creepy board that he had. Everything yeah. else, I don't know. I think it is sweet because they it- knew each other. Mm. They had like mutual respect. And it's interesting that we find someone who is genuinely in love with a character like um, like Mark is with Juliet a bit creepy the way it goes about. Whereas 
Colin Frizzle wanting to go to America <laughs> and shag any American woman he meets. We yeah. were kind of like, oh, Colin. Classic. <laughs> Didn't think it was going to work, really. I yeah. thought this I don't guy's... think his friend thought it either. No. <laughs> no. But it's such a wonderful payoff in this film, which is essentially a romantic fantasy. Like, it, it, I, I honestly think this film actually kind of belongs in the land of fantasy. Definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, as much as something like uh, The Princess Bride or, or Star Wars, you know, this is this is a fantasy. None of this would happen. Well, like, the Prime Minister mean... wouldn't go door knocking. <laughs> You yeah. wouldn't be able to get through 18 gates at an airport without security yeah. taking not, you not down. Two yeah, not, not two years after 9-11. Not two years. No, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, but it is wonderful that like we have this character in Colin who basically just very up... Maybe it's because he's up front about what he wants to do. Maybe that's what we value more than the action. It's him being up front and saying, I'm going to go to America because I'm a British guy. They'll all think I'm cute and I'm going to shag a lot of girls. And because we see how incredibly unsuccessful he is as well. Yeah. He's got foot and mouth syndrome. Yeah, but then of course as soon as he gets to where uh, the the lovely uh, venue of uh, Milwaukee, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, of all the places to go in Milwaukee. the US, he's gone yeah. to the place that's probably closest to England. Yeah, <laughs> but still he goes there and and it works. You know, he meets various uh, lovely young American girls and and has a, has a lovely time. Has um, a magnetic effect on them. Certainly, yes. Um, so whilst you've got Colin Frizzle, uh, God of Sex. And, and he, he has, has a big knob. knob. Uh, but whilst Colin is doing that. Uh, Liam, Liam Neeson's wife has, has passed away, unfortunately. And it, really that, sad. And it, it is interesting that this film just cuts to all these different things. Like, young man wants to go to America and have sex. This guy's wife has just died, and he's left with um, her her son, played by um, Thomas Brody Sangster. Um, and, and Jojen Reed. Yes. Game of Thrones. Sorry, yes, yes. Jojen Reed. Uh, in fairness, he probably sh- should have seen it coming that he was going to fall in love if he's got all those psychic yeah, powers. Yeah, what do you think about it? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, and, and that's, that's a great storyline as well, is that, you know, you've got this young kid, he's like 10 or 11, and he's in love with the, the popular girl at school, oh. the girl that can sing, uh, the, the American oh, girl as well. And he's so sweet, and I really love how so Liam Neeson plays that role with like a taken level of seriousness yeah. <laughs> where he's just like no no we've got to we've got to help you get the girl okay um let's watch titanic you know kind of thing. taking notes <laughs> study up yeah and it's great and it's wonderful because i think i think that bit of the film is actually more about the love between uh, a parental figure yeah. and uh, and a child figure, even though they're not biologically related in any way, it gets to the point where at the end of the film he he calls him dad. That was actually the first time that I noticed that this viewing. Yeah, it was only because yeah, yeah I did, I hadn't never noticed it before as well. But yeah. as soon as it was said, it was like, oh yeah, yes. That was so did sweet. I miss a detail then that that wasn't his biological son? Yes, yeah. he did mention a couple of times that oh. was he was his stepdad. Well, I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's okay. So there's a lot of information oh, well, to take in. Attention. Like there is, there is a lot going on. Yeah. Were, okay. Well. Okay. So he's the stepson, not the biological son. Oh, that's yeah. really yeah. nice. So he yeah. could have been yeah. like, oh well, good luck with the girls, kid. Off you go. Mm. They got. Yeah. They actually no. got on really well. Yeah. Mm. Um. And you know they're lovely. We we also see uh, a failed romance in this film between Sarah and Carl. Uh, who yeah. worked together. Is that the one that I thought was really hot, but then it just never happened? That was the one where yeah, at the end you were like, what happened to them? Right? Where, where did they go? <laughs> yeah. Oh. It just didn't It just didn't happen because obviously... That uh, was heartbreaking. That yeah, was really sad. It was. And I think, again, it's, it's that thing of, you know, oh, we're showing all the different factors of life. And, you know, Sarah was interrupted as she is throughout most of her life by the fact that she has a, a brother who's not very well. Suffering and... from Alzheimer's. Some, it was yeah. so, I don't think it's specified. Yeah, he's... Mm. Um, but he's he's clearly very unwell, and she gives up so much yeah. to to be with him because otherwise he would be alone, all alone. And 
I don't I, think anyone in the office knows either. No, she no, got those. It really, yeah, because yeah, you get the fact you've got uh, Alan Rickman, who's a boss, going, and there goes your firm again. You know, he's just constantly. I love your Alan Rickman impersonation. Oh, right, Listen. thank you, Philip. Uh, yes, he. Um, yeah, so he's he's there saying that, and it it does give the impression that no one knows. Same with um the day after the um their work Christmas party, and they yeah. he asks Mia where she is. Oh yeah, and she says that oh she had a family emergency, and he goes, well that's you know mm. oh, an excuse well, he, for being hungover. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh sorry. That's an excuse for being hungover that <laughs> that I've <laughs> never heard again. before. I love it. I love it. No, excuse me, I'm going to buy you a very expensive necklace. Ugh. Now, okay, this necklace though. Uh, yes, uh, again, it's another it's another factor of love. Richard Curtis has clearly gone. Hmm, hmm. What are people have affairs? How do we work that in? So you have this this uh, relationship between uh, Emma Thompson's character Karen and mm. Alan Rickman's character Harry, or mm, that's bad, right, bad, bad Harry, Harry, as he writes in the card, and it, he gets. Um, he he has this this secretary at his office, Mia, flirting with him constantly, and. You know he, he's ma- he's married to Emma Thompson, so he he shouldn't be tempted away in any way because Emma Thompson is oh, is a babe. Yeah. She's she's the best. Yes. yes. Um, but it it happens. He gets he gets drawn in by this character who is very clearly playing an, an antagonistic role in the film. Like mm. at the Christmas party, she's the devil horns. Um, <laughs> if that she's not even symbolism. trying to hide it. Yeah, <laughs> and you know this film doesn't really try to hide its themes. No. You know she's there as temptation, and Harry gives in to that temptation. And has to go and buy jewellery from Rowan Atkinson. That moment. Very quickly, though, it's almost more jarring them having them being older actors as well Mm. to have a be showing a relationship where there's cheating involved, and them being in like a committed relationship with two children. Like they're they're not young parents. They don't have stupidity as an excuse. They've clearly been together for quite a while well i, think I mean partly I mean, that I, I think arguably that is maybe a reason that it happened because i you, you can see that harry as a character is just very sardonic he doesn't really like many things or many people he insists no children at the christmas party yeah. uh, you know I, he may just be at a point where he's like he's like oh, i'm married with two children and everything's bad and i feel awful and all of a sudden there's this there's this woman looking at me with sexual desire and i suddenly feel empowered that that would be my guess he's the scrooge of the film i guess yeah Mm. um or he's having a midlife crisis pretty much i mean and and, you know it's just there is temptation and you know as oscar wilde says you know i can resist everything except temptation and he (laughs) he gives into it and has that wonderful scene where he goes uh to the shops and tries to secretly buy a very expensive 270 (laughs) pounds i was like oh Wow, that's an expensive necklace. You must really love her. Uh, I, must... I remember doing. I was like, okay, so in Australian dollars, that must be about twenty thousand. Uh, no, not not no, quite not that, that much. It would be 500? more than six hundred. More than six hundred. Yeah, I think like particularly in two thousand and three, money a lot more than six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, the he goes and then there's Rowan Atkinson, just absolutely wonderful, just there going. The, the, the king of, of comedy. Yes. Oh. Uh, you wanted it gift wrapped, sir. <laughs> and then. When he was like with such care, mm. like just putting that potpourri into the packaging for him, <laughs> it's so much more than a bag. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it, and that's just it. This film is just full of lots of really fun little moments, lots of fun things, like um, the Prime Minister David dancing in in oh. the office after he's told yeah. Billy Bob Thornton where he can go stick it. Um, yes, and again, Billy Bob Thornton's in this film for not very long, but he's there, <laughs> oh, he's and he's awful. he's great as like a really sleazy. 
American president. Kind of like, you know, like evil Bill Clinton, I guess. <laughs> Just kind of like... <laughs> That's if, if you can possibly try, imagine a sleazy evil American You can imagine president. a sleazy Bill Clinton <laughs> quite easily. Sleazy evil Bill Clinton. Maybe mm. slightly harder. Um... But yes, uh, Billy Bob Thornton turns up and he's like, oh, this this Natalie girl seems pretty nice. And like um, the prime minister catches him, giving her a bit of a kiss yeah. under some mistletoe. Right. And he's like, right, screw diplomatic relations. I'm going to make a speech and tell America where to stick it. Just oh. puts the fate of the Western peaceful world. At, mm. you what know. a passionate speech. Uh, yeah. I don't care about I've... our relationship. Now, kissed my girlfriend. See, as, as much as that speech is great and people go, you know, oh, it's great. You know, he says Harry Potter and David Beckham's feet and things like that. I actually think this film might be the reason that Brexit happened. The the speech. <laughs> if you think about it, you've got a generation of people who watched this film and went, yeah, Britain's great. And then they get to voting age 13 years later and you get the, you get people like Nigel Farage up there going like, yeah, we should stick it and everyone should leave. And they're going, yeah, that's right. Hugh Grant said it as well. <laughs> uh, Screw everyone. Let's get out of here. I mean, I might be making connections that aren't there. Well, no, but... you never know. That's, <laughs> I can't that's... say I've ever considered that. Yeah. yeah, no, I hadn't considered it either. Yeah. It's possible. Richard Curtis is, is the reason that Brexit happened. Oh. And it's very upsetting. What a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so he, he, he ruins his uh, potential uh, special relationship with, with the States. Um which is going to affect Colin, obviously, because he goes over to America <laughs> and has uh, sex with lots of lovely ladies. Um, but, you know, maybe he would have had trouble getting back <laughs> if their special relationship was ruined. <laughs> um, we have the papers getting thrown into the lake or blown into the lake. That moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's just because I'm spending way too much time writing and filing papers. But when I saw all those papers go flying, I, part of my soul died. Mm. I was like, oh, couldn't deal. Who leaves papers out in, like, the middle of the wind? I mean, granted, he had a mug on it. Does it he a had a paperweight. She came along and was like, let me just move this bad boy for you. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, um, That's a great scene as well mm. with that, when we were talking about subtitles before, the fact that one person saying something, another person is saying the exact opposite of what was just said, but because they have that language barrier, they don't understand. They also gave the characters a lot of freedom to actually be honest a lot. Like mm. They were saying things that you normally probably wouldn't say to somebody if they could understand you. Yeah. So they got to just vent all that false mm. sort of... I don't know, not vent the false. They got to just indulge in being themselves. Yeah. Christmas time is a time for honesty. It certainly is. Mm. Um, fun fact, uh, by the way, about that scene in the lake. Um, the lake in which uh, Colin Firth and Lucia Moniz are swimming was only 18 inches deep. So they had to so they kneel uh, and pretend <laughs> to be in deep water. Um, it was uh, also overrun by mosquitoes and Colin Firth was badly bitten with his elbow swelling to the size of an avocado. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that was not necessarily the most fun thing to shoot in the world, it turns no. out. No, it didn't look like... You th no, but... but it Cinematography wise, yeah. it looked amazing. Oh, it did. Had flying paper, and I have to say, falling in love. Yeah, that it looked like they were in deeper water than eighteen it, inches. Well, so. he fell in. Well, he did. <laughs> and I was looking at that because I knew that before watching it. And like when she dives she, in, yeah. I'm like, she just belly flopped into not very much water. That's <laughs> she's brave. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's only a foot and a half deep. So, weesh. Um, 
Yeah, so meanwhile, Billy Mack is just appearing on televisions and radio stations all around the place, being inappropriate, promising to be naked on TV if the (laughs) thing gets to number one. Um, Some wonderful cameos from... um, He's like the narrator almost. A little bit, like a mischievous Loki-like narrator. Um, And we get wonderful cameos from British television celebrities of the early 2000s, Michael Parkinson, um, (laughs) Anton Deck, who are still on British TV, uh, doing their thing, some... uh, Radio DJs like Marcus Brigstock, all, all just there, all just like I, I think that maybe is part of the reason why this film was so successful in the UK is because it was so grounded in UK culture at that time. It's a very, very two thousand and three film. Like it's, the hairstyles, the hairstyles, the, the fashion. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know Kira exactly hat. where you are. Yeah, yeah. Like, just yeah, and as you said, the tramp stamp. Yeah, the tramp stamp tattoo. Tramp stamps yeah, fashionable. and it's I mean, a- bad news for people who have got them now. It's like, <laughs> But it's it's interesting just from a personal perspective because um, we uh, record these episodes in Australia. Just in case you you don't know this, um, people from and, around the world are listening. Oh yeah, yeah, we oh. have we've listeners. We we have quite a few listeners in uh, the United States. Uh, that's why I have to make sure we maintain our special relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey. uh, I I wouldn't have done that to uh, BBT whatsoever. Um, but I left the UK to move to Australia in two thousand and three, five weeks before Christmas. Ooh. I left when this film starts um in in the chronology so it's kind of like I, I feel as though the uk i know it has changed again brexit but i kind of feel like <laughs> the uk is sort of always permanently trapped in 2003 in my mind <laughs> because that's the last snapshot you had of the last snapshot of me living there i've been back since oh, and definitely. i can see okay maybe it's not the same but um yeah it's just like an interesting time capsule I guess, uh, of, of that time. We have not spoken about the fact that Martin Freeman plays a stand-in and has oh, sex. Oh, right. yes. Pretends to have sex with their sexy Judy. Sexy Bilbo. Yeah, sexy How did Bilbo. you guys meet? Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and again, it's, it's just, it's maybe like two minutes in the film, but it's wonderful. I, they're so good. They are. There's like, everyone else has these epic plots of self-discovery yeah. and, oh, is my husband buying that gold necklace for me or not? Theirs but theirs sweet. is just these two people trying to, you know, work up the courage to talk to each other. But they do it. They're so adorable. That was actually a storyline that I wish I got a bit more time on screen. Yeah, I remember I, about halfway through I was missing them and I was like, where are the, where's the stand-in couple mm. acting They out were the- great. And the fact that the um, cameraman is actually Colin Frizzle's best friend. Yeah, and it, again, it's just it's re- it's really sweet. It's not complicated. Oh wait, like you yes, say. at the end. No, yeah, 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 yeah. They're at the airport yeah. at the end because yes. you know he says I'm, I might finally get a shag. <laughs> you know, which is but it's really fun. And again, it's it's that thing of seeing uh, a performer before they're really really well known because this is Martin Freeman pre Sherlock pre uh, the the Hobbit films. Is it this after been... the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Oh, yes, yeah. it's before that. Uh, before that. Two years before that. That was 2005. Wow. Um, but obviously this the same year he was in this I'm pretty sure he's in the first episode of Black Books where he plays the Doctor after Manfred has swallowed the, uh, swallowed the um, little book of calm. <laughs> he's the Doctor that says uh, I'm, I'm sorry uh, Mr. White but it appears um it appears that the, the little book of calm has disappeared, and yeah, that he he's in black books, which is just this is just just before he really sort of takes off internationally yeah. as as a well recognised actor, and he's great. He's hilarious. He's great. He's so good in this, and I don't think there's again there isn't really anyone that feels miscast. You know, no, you, you, no they've really. done a great job. I mean, you, you know, I mean, obviously, um, a lot of. Um, the people that uh, Richard Curtis worked with previously in things like Blackadder are here. You've got Rowan Atkinson and Emma Thompson, who have all been wonderful performers in things like The Young Ones and things like that. You know, essentially that sort of uh, that 
sort of Oxbridge 1980s comedy crowd. Um, you know, I was really surprised that we didn't see Rick Mail and Stephen Fry wandering around, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I was holding my breath for Judy Dench. I thought there must, there's really? either going to be Judy Dench mm. or terrible with names right now. Minerva mm. McGonagall. Oh, I Maggie. love her. Maggie, Maggie Smith. Smith. Yeah. Maggie Smith. They're sort of that next generation up though. Mm. And, uh, and, and to be honest, there, there weren't really too many, uh, what, what I suppose you would call elderly people in this film. It's a lot of, Young yeah, people and people into their like forties and fifties. Mm. Um, I mean, I mean, Billy Mack is probably the oldest character, and he's mid fifties. Um, there was a storyline that was cut from this film, which is in the deleted scenes, which um, the principal of the school that um, Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman's kids went to. Um, she was it, Bernard, the the son. Yeah. Uh, it was apparently a bit of a troublemaker in the original script, and you <laughs> see Emma Thompson getting called into the office. And that principal was set up as being kind of like a stern character. And then you would see the principal in her personal life. And she um, is gay. And she and her partner, um, she's watching her partner slowly die from from cancer, basically. Oh, and her yeah. partner was played by uh, Francis Delator, um, who, for people who enjoy the Goblet of Fire, is Hagrid's girlfriend. Uh, what's her name? Oh. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Um, and she plays this uh, lady who's... Um, dying of cancer basically and it's really oh, really well put awful. together but but they cut it out of the final film because this film is quite long yeah it's and i two think hours already we've got enough characters and there's yeah. enough sad in it as yeah. it is i think there is yeah i think maybe i mean it's really well shot and it's worth watching if you've got the dvd go and watch all the extra scenes you can see um thomas <laughs> brody sankster doing backflips because apparently he was a gymnast as well at one point <laughs> um but yes um there's some really great extra stuff if you enjoyed this film um to go and have a look um i think we've covered most things now I hang mean, on very quickly tell yeah. me if i'm wrong go on there the ending for um emma thompson and alan rickman yeah. that wasn't their initial ending right i didn't they feel like there was a sense of ending so if there is another option to go with i feel like i've read this somewhere i could be wrong i feel like i read before that initially in the script she was meant to forgive him and she read the script and was like, no, 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 no. That is no, so weak. not realistic. I, yeah, my character mm, would never. I don't know if I've encountered that. What I, what I do know is that um, pe- because obviously people really connect with these characters and they've yeah. asked, like, what happened to this person? What happened to this person? And I believe the official storyline is that um, Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman, they stayed together. They stayed married. But obviously it was never the same yeah. and it was a it, they were essentially were just staying together for the kids essentially yeah i could be totally making this up but i'm yeah. pretty sure that i read that somewhere and that that scene where she confronts him um at the end of the um christmas hmm. co- concert yeah she, um they wrote that in like a couple of minutes before they shot it because well she I mean, wasn't happy with how it was meant to be going i mean it it, it is better that it's almost left unresolved i mean because something like that where you, where you have a essentially a trauma that occurs within a relationship because one of the parties has been selfish and had an affair or done something terrible like that it's not the sort of thing that you can just go well everything's fine we've solved that now Mm -hmm. you know even one month later at the airport you can see that they're they're still coming to terms with what's happened yeah and I think, again, that makes for a better, more realistic film. Definitely. It's a really sobering moment in the comedy is when you see these relationships just die. Mm. Like, not literally. They're not literally dead, but, like, there's a a girl who has no choice but to be alone because she's taking care of a mentally ill brother. And Mm. then there's this woman who... as she has self-respect, she knows she's not going to commit her life. Mm. 
to mm. someone who doesn't, you know, deserve that sort of love. Yeah, and you have, you know, and you have probably like the most. There's lots of good acting in this film, but maybe the scene with, with some of the top-notch acting is is Emma Thompson listening to the Journey Mitchell CD oh, in, the, in yeah. the bedroom, By and herself. she's yeah, she's just trying to like have that moment so that she can then go and be the family figurehead and get through the concert. And as soon as the concert's done, she is she says, you know, I know about this this yeah. thing and what's going on. And it's just such a the combination of Joni Mitchell's music, which is just pretty pretty emotionally impactful yeah. by itself. Mm-hmm. But then you give someone Emma Thompson and you just put her in a like a simple bedroom setting, but you see slowly all the different things around her which have been built up in her life and the fact that everything is a sham. You know, she says, you know, you've made a mockery of my life and our life and yeah. what is this, <laughs> essentially. She held it together really well. I would not have done what she did. Yeah. If I was in her position, I would have done the whole, like, set half fire to the house. Yeah. But that's uh, because Emma Thompson is, is the strongest person in the world, Phil. That's true. <laughs> and <laughs> and that's why earth. she's the best. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's just so impactful. It's so... Again, it's really well put together. Um, it's, it's just a fun film. It is. It's it is. tremendously There's fun. There's a lot of... You, you play with it. You, it's fun to watch. I remember I spent two hours trying to figure out how all those storylines fit together because I hadn't seen it before. So they're all new. They're all strangers to me. I'm like, okay, so that person's this person's best friend. He's married to that person who's, you know, working for the prime minister or something mm. like that. It's really... It's a solid, like, massive. It's really it's quite... Well a, it's a crafted. big film. Mm. But yeah, it's it's gorgeous. It's yeah, um, funny as well. It's obviously, hilarious. we're watching this at Christmas time. Uh, it is, it is a Christmas film. You can't get away that Christmas is a reasonably key part of it. You know, as they say, it is in fact all around. <laughs> it's quite, like how they, yeah, they start using Christmas as an excuse to be honest. But but people do do that. Yeah. Mm. I think I think that is a big part of uh, yeah. Western culture. Is you know, Christmas is a time for well, they say forgiving and forgetting, and also um, getting ready for the new year. Yeah, and you Brushing know. Off. I think, you know, there's a reason why lots of people in offices hook up at Christmas parties because, it, you know, it's... it's They've ev- spent a whole year together yeah. in close proximity. Everything's that. that tiny bit more yeah. magical. There's a little bit of tinsel here. There's some mistletoe over there. Everyone's slightly more drunk. You know, it's... it's <laughs> I think Christmas does lend itself to a reasonable... It, Christmas uh, is like the plot device of real life, isn't it? Because yeah. it makes yeah. us go places. Like, I don't want to go and visit my family, but I have to. And while I'm there, I'm going to do things that I don't normally do, so yeah. I'll grow yeah. as a person. And lots of people have some of the most uh, dramatic events of their life happen at or around Christmas time. And uh, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've heard of people who've had this happen or experienced it yourselves, where you've had uh, an incident with, like, you've seen... It may not even directly involve you, you know, it might be something where it's like, you know, there was like a family member who had a falling out with a partner or somebody else, or there's a proposal, there's lots of proposals, proposals around right. Christmas, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. It's <laughs> it's just a time for things it's to happen. It's because the jewellery cheap, ladies don't fall <laughs> for it. They've cheap. gotten that ring on discount. That's why they are proposing <laughs> to you in sales. December. <laughs> Black Friday. <laughs> Take it from me. It's just, that's knowledge, that's truth. Mm. All right. Sorry, lads. Phil, <laughs> you've ruined it for everyone. Been <laughs> um, but yes, no. Unfortunately, you can't. Yeah, the, if you're the people you're trying to have an affair with, will know you got that necklace <laughs> for cheaper than you should. Um, okay, it. So many characters, so many plot lines. Which one of these would be your favourite? I, I guess it would be like which one would you like to have, or would have you think worked as its own standalone film? Oh, oh. 
all of them could Colin have been Firth. their own film. You think Col- Colin, yeah. Colin Firth one, was... I think it's just great. Colin Firth, I felt like I was watching a European independent film with Nicola mm. <laughs> dispersed throughout all this Christmas comedy that was just happening at the same time. <laughs> yeah. like, uh, and then back to, you know, France we go, or back to Portugal. Yeah. That one was... You know, strikingly simple, but for some reason I really liked yeah. it. I mean, I think it, I, 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 I agree with that. I mean, that's the one that also gets the big denouement at the end. It gets the big um, oh. finale, you mm. know, yeah, the, the proposal in the in the Portuguese restaurant with the father and the sister and the whole town following him and in. band. Yes, and the band just the waiting. Band. Like, waiting to play. Yeah, <laughs> just like, there's probably going to be a proposal tonight, guys. Hang tight. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's, it is just wonderful. It's It's just so lovely. And that is the, that is arguably the story that we, finish on because then it flows into that final airport yeah. scene where everyone was on the same plane apparently you it know. was like a bow i like that yeah, my old yeah. theater, way of putting it. theater yeah. adoration yeah. was like oh they were coming out for a company bow yeah and it was it was lovely and it's it's just a fun joy joyful film it's honestly a film i'll be able to watch it again yeah so you did enjoy oh, it then i i i enjoyed it it was hilarious there was you can't put that many talented English comic actors together and not have something great happen. Mm. Well, challenge accepted, I'm sure they could, but <laughs> that there's not you, you. You have to try to fail in that. Yeah. You know what they can't do? The Americans can't do the same thing. Did you guys see New Year's Eve? Uh, well, no. that, that is, some, that is <laughs> something I did want to bring up because obviously this then did kick off a yeah. whole range of films like this and none of them have been as successful because no. there was also Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, there was one that was kind of a bit like this that I saw and it had a really long title um, and it's not like what to do, what to expect when you're expecting or something like that. It was something like love and not love and someone dies and cake. It was something like that. I can't remember the name of it, <laughs> but it was like a late noughties film where there was uh, five or six different plot lines and it was an American film and it wasn't, bad but it was kind of like it, it just like the charm and i think the fact that this is british the fact that it's at christmas i think it, it's kind of like it's it, it's it's like a fatal trap of charm that you can't yeah, escape it was so good yeah it's yeah. it's just a so land of good escape. manners and that's just a recipe for that's canada so much it? yeah is that is that canada land of good manners oh that's so true <laughs> my geography terrible we're waiting for theirs yeah <laughs> When yeah. theirs comes out, that'll be the next big one. Love Actually A, I can't wait to see. <laughs> that would be good. That would be good. I think it would the be title's great. in French. Yeah. You should write an, Austra- an Australian romance on yeah. this scale. Oh, Wonderful. No. no. <laughs> well, you, you wouldn't want to see Love Actjo. That wouldn't be <laughs> the, the, the Aussie one. 20 short stories of what Australians yeah. are doing in December. It would just and be everyone's it, drunk. It'd just be 19 different people going, want a route? And some of them going, yeah, nah. And some of them going, oh, yes. That, that would be it. Things are a lot simpler down here. What's wrong? Oh, I'm f- mate. I'm in, I'm in love. Oh, shit. It's all it would be. You're buggered. Yeah. You're buggered. <laughs> For some reason, I really hope they would still and, cast And where Alan would Rickman. we go? Like, like Australian He's lads. Dead. No, no, but like, yeah, this is fantasy land. Okay. You, know, you still have Alan Rickman in there. No, actually, no, no. You still have uh, Rowan Atkinson in there. And Emma Thompson. You know what? Just the whole cast. Yeah, you know what? With English accent. But oh, just, Australian accent, sorry. Yeah. Sit here. And just, yeah, they're outside the opera house occasionally. And it's Australia Day. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just because it's Australia Day, you've you got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was going to keep this a deep, dark secret, but no, it's, it's, it's mm. Australia Day, so. Yeah. Oh, I love the, it. The idea of Malcolm Turnbull trying to have a relationship with one of his interns, though, leaves me a little cold. I'll be I, honest. I don't know. That wouldn't, that wouldn't, wouldn't but work. But it's Hugh Grant playing Malcolm Turnbull. 
Uh, true, true. <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's not Tony though. That's the important thing. Yeah, it's not right. old onion breath. Uh, we appear to have veered into a, a, an interesting cul-de-sac. So I'm going to ask you guys: Would you like to hear some IMDb trivia? Yeah, I'd yes, love please. To. On Love Actually, because there's a, some good ones. Uh, every week, I do a trawl through IMDb and pick out some fun trivia facts uh, for for us to pick through, such as Chris Marshall, Colin Frizzle, God of Sex. He's got a huge knob. What a, sorry, what a great name for Christmas time. I know. What's your name, <laughs> Mr. Frizzle? Colin Frizzle, sir? No, no, no. Chris Marshall. Sounds like Christmas. Chris Marshall. Yeah. That's Christmas. where I thought you were going with that and then you continued. No, no, no. I was I was into Colin Frizzle, which also sounds like a Christmas name. It sounds like a Charles Dickens name. Charles Dickens name. You know, it's like in Christmas Carol. Who's that? That's Mr. Frizzle, sir. <laughs> oh, good evening, Mr. Scrooge. Please, Mr. Frizzle, can I have some more? <laughs> more? Uh, uh, he returned his paycheck for the day that they shot the scene with the three American girls in the bedroom. Um, he said that he had such a great time g- getting to undress uh, three girls tw- for 21 takes that he gave up his money for that day. He just gave it back and said, no, today today I work for free. <laughs> so he's the same in real life. A little bit, it seems, yeah. <laughs> that, well... Uh, That's great. Um, when casting the part of Sarah, Richard Curtis auditioned a lot of British girls, but kept saying, no, 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 we, we need someone like a Laura Linney. And eventually the casting director snapped and went, just get Laura Linney then. <laughs> and, and they did. <laughs> so. Even though she's American. <laughs> yeah. But again, you know, the, I mean, her, 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 um, she was great. her potential partner in that, uh, Carl, was, was Brazilian, a uh, Brazilian actor. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's the film had a slightly international flavour. Uh, just for it. that couple. Yeah. Just for that couple. <laughs> And Colin in America. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, Olivia Olsen, who played Joanna, Sam's crush, the little American That girl. was so adorable. It Can't was adorable. Um, she did all her own singing uh, for the All I Want for Christmas is You. And she had such an amazing voice that Richard Curtis had to edit it to make it sound more like a child. That's yeah. unbelievable. She did sound amazing, though. Look out, Mariah. Mm. And, of course, mm. uh, uh, is one of the voice actors in Phineas and Ferb, along with... Thomas Brody Sangster. That's really sweet. Yeah. I love that. That's a good show. Have mm. you seen Phineas and Ferb? No, no. I was um oh. I was in high school when Phineas and Ferb was oh, right. a thing. Well, I was at university and I've seen it. So. <laughs> no, I've, I've been fun. seriously told to watch that and Adventure Time. You there is apparently oh, a huge man. genre of things that I've thought were children animations Philip. and apparently they're adult animations. I worked with Phineas and Ferb. They were great. Yeah, Phineas and Ferb are fun. You would love Adventure Time. Adventure Time. I think you would actually really enjoy it. I, it's it's good and Rick and Morty. That's the other one that. Oh, that's funny. Rick and Morty is very funny. I do quite mm. like. Rick I've and Morty. seen some of the Rick and Morty. Mm. Just adorable. Mm. Phil, Phil, <laughs> <laughs> you need to watch Rick and Morty. Phil, it's really yeah. funny. It's got some great social <laughs> <social> commentary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gee, Rick, I, I don't know if he should he should watch it. No, no, he should. It's, no, I don't. Need it's good. I just have you like voice act it all out for me and change the plot. <laughs> um. The idea for Mark's surprise of the band singing All You Need Is Love at uh, Peter and Juliet's wedding actually came from Jim Henson's funeral. Um, Richard Curtis was at the funeral for Jim Henson in the 90s and the puppeteers Uh, were all there with their Muppets and they sang uh, Rainbow Rainbow Connection. They sang songs and stuff with with the puppets. And that's where Richard Curtis got the idea from. That's so sweet. It is. That hurts. I know. I don't like to remember that Jim Henson isn't with us anymore. I know. I don't like to remember the Rainbow Connection. (laughs) That's so sad. Yeah. But, But again, from that, I like the fact that they put it in a wedding. And it's really fun. And it's like, how did they all get those trombones in there? Shh, don't, don't worry about that. It's just Nobody's fun. questioning who all these random people at the wedding are. Yeah. Do you, do you <laughs> how do you know the bride and groom? 
do you hear 30 people above us walking around? Maybe like a choir worth of people? No, no I don't hear that. Okay. Is no one doing vocal warm-up? Testing, yeah. testing. <laughs> one, two, one, two. La, 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 la. What a, what a strange church. Uh, funnily enough, the priest in that church, actual priest, not an actor. Uh, they just got in the local priest to, to act as the so priest. So does Kira Natalie know that she's married? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. That she makes... might be married. Yeah. <laughs> so... Did anyone check that? <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to... We'll give them a quick call afterwards. <laughs> they can check. A speech given by Hugh Grant in the film where he talks about how great Britain is. Okay. Uh, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> sucks to be you, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, was, was, um, was obviously... It's, it's very well remembered. Tony Blair has actually talked about that speech um, when he was finishing being the Prime Minister of the UK. When he was finishing... Um, he said that, I know there's a bit of us that would like me to do a Hugh Grant in Love Actually and tell America where to get off. Um, <laughs> but the difference between a good film and real life is that in real life, there's the next day, the next year, and the next lifetime to contemplate the ruinous consequences of easy applause, which I, I think is a really That's fair point. That's actually... Quite a good. And that's the difference between Quite the politicians statement. and mm. actors, isn't it? Like, we shameless, we'll choose attention mm. and dramatic effect every time. Yeah. It doesn't matter. They will think about the next day. Thomas Brody Sangster didn't know how to play the drums when he was cast uh, and learnt over the course of the film. In fact, his dad uh, helped teach him because he's a drummer. Um, oh. But yeah, so he actually did learn to play the drums. I just can't love him anymore. Like, <laughs> he's so my cute. My heart is full. His little face. <laughs> oh. Knowing that Billy Bob Thornton had quite an unusual fear. What now? What do we think Billy Bob Thornton's got an unusual fear of? I, just public speaking. Probably, yeah. <laughs> I'd say that's actually quite usual. An unusual, oh, unusual fear. fear. Yeah, oh, right. Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's understandable at this point. Vials of blood. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, antique furniture. At what? Billy Bob Thornton reportedly has a real problem with antique furniture. Wait, uh, do you think a it's haunted or a fear? It says here unusual fear, so let's go with the fact he has a fear phobia of antique furniture. Okay. Hugh Grant would sometimes flash a piece of antique furniture just before they shot the film. Now you have to remember they're on a set in like a, a prime minister's office with lots of antique furniture. Yeah, yeah in England. Yeah. <laughs> Hugh Grant would purpose Just before someone shouted action He would move some of it into eyeline to freak him out And then move it back I don't get it How can you be scared of Hmm. Yeah what happened What about it There's probably a really good story Mm. Do you reckon he's just really spiritual And he's like the ghosts are attached to the Yeah the ghosts must be attached to the furniture Or did he get like Really bad splinters Mm. Yeah (laughs) Maybe an antique desk beat him up when he was a kid Maybe Possibly I don't know how that A nice Ottoman. <laughs> Maybe he heard the walls of ears and he assumes everything else in the room had some sort of sensory organ and he was yeah. afraid of them. Maybe it's Beauty and the Beast. Them. Disney's Beauty and the yes. Beast. Oh, that would be it. You've Antique solved furniture. the mystery. Yeah, he's worried that it's got feelings. Yeah. It's not Baroque, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Lucia Moniz, who played uh, Ariella, got the part as a result of a joke of a friend of hers. Her friend was a casting director and sent her pictures to the movie's casting director and they liked her. So, yeah, yeah, she never auditioned for it properly. She just had a friend who was like, I'll just send you pictures, ha, ha, ha. (laughs) (laughs) Joke's on you. (laughs) Yeah, she got the job. So, fun. Wow, I got to kiss Colin Firth. (laughs) Yeah, not bad. Some people. (laughs) But she's thanking that friend. Mm. (laughs) Hugh Grant hated the dancing scene, saying that he didn't think a prime minister would do something like that. Yeah, Nicholas prime ministers this. don't dance. Yeah. Mm. I mean, anyone who's seen 
any recent British prime ministers know that the most they'll do is <laughs> run through a field of wheat. <laughs> and that's about it. Um, they'll get so many votes, I'm sure, if they could honestly bust a move. Yeah. Like, not do that embarrassing sort of middle-class politician. Mm. Our election should be rap battles. Yeah, dance-offs. Break dancing. Your mm. mama jokes exchanged. Some of the possible actors who could have played the prime minister. I'm ready. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, that oh, would have been, he would have been so good. good. Maybe a bit too old, though. Doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, oh. that's true. Well, yeah, the age difference between the two mm. of them. Still hot. Uh, <laughs> Ellen's favourite actor, Michael Gambon, was considered for the Prime Minister. He's dead, right? No, no. no he, the replaced, dead. he replaced yeah, the okay. dead one. Yeah, no. He would have been interesting as the Prime Minister. Dumbledore. Which Dumbledore? The new Dumbledore. The new Dumbledore. Yeah, Dumbledore 2.0. <laughs> now with more Dumble. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gambon was one of the actors that was considered. So, you know, it could have been interesting. He could have just randomly shouted in one of the scenes. He could have said, you know that girl, Natalie. Could you get rid of her, please? (laughs) (laughs) You know who I would have loved to have seen in the Prime Minister role? Michael Caine. Oh, yeah. He would have been good. Uh, Hello, everyone. I'll tell you what. We're Great Britain. We're the land of Harry Potter. (laughs) David Beckham's right foot. And David Beckham's left foot. Ah. <laughs> I would have paid good money for that. I would have preferred him as Billy Mac, to be honest. <laughs> oh. That would have been fabulous. Or the manager. Yeah. Ah, yes. No, yes. Oh. Hey. To be honest, no. I think, I think Billy and Joe were exactly who they needed to be. Yeah. And such a lovely, again, another really lovely relationship that only sort of crops up towards the end of the film. Where Billy Mac makes this realisation, he's like, I've got all the fame and fortune again, and I don't want it. I just want to hang out with my fat manager, as he phrases it. And yeah, does the weird thing like he's playing a guitar while he's talking. (laughs) He's trying to emote, so he ends up performing. Yeah. God, Bill Nye is great. He's just so much fun to watch. I can't ever, I can't think of a single thing ever in the history of my life where I saw Bill Nye and I thought, I didn't like that. Yeah. Um, the role of Rufus, as played by Rowan Atkinson, could potentially have been played by Simon Pegg. Doesn't which... matter who else was going to play. Exactly, it. does could not matter. Could have said Rowan Atkinson's got Simon the role. Simon Pegg is funny though, but he's not oh, Rowan. There's, Rowan no, Rowan there's no way that he would have held a candle uh, to Rowan Atkinson. We don't know this yet, but I'm sure that one day when we can like do the sort of DNA sampling, they'll find that Rowan Atkinson was from another subspecies of like Homo sapien humorous or something that just made us <laughs> so much funnier naturally. Him Homo and... sapien humorous. Hmm. That's not a thing. <laughs> it should be. And two final bits of information. Um, first, uh, Karen, Emma Thompson, expresses surprise at the inclusion of at least two lobsters uh, in the uh, Nativity Christmas pageant. Um, although there is a variety of small lobster uh, that is native to the Mediterranean Sea, its habitat doesn't stretch as far as the lands that are now known as Israel. Furthermore, since Jesus' family was Jewish and shellfish, such as lobster, is forbidden <laughs> to uh, devout Jews uh, who observe the rules for keeping kosher, Karen is correct that this is highly unlikely that there would be lobsters at Jesus' birth. Somewhat... Like it was an actual possibility. Now, IMDb trivia <laughs> is, is user-generated and voted. Someone went to the trouble to idiot? explain... <laughs> <laughs> that lobsters are in fact unlikely to have been at the birth of Christ. It's the like, joke yeah, is real. yeah. Hey, guess what? It's a stable, not an aquarium. You know, <laughs> that's now. If Jesus had been born in an aquarium, it would have been amazing. One, water births would be a lot more popular. <laughs> yes, but yeah. Two, I just really like the idea of the nativity scene with the three wise men turning up, and there's just a shark floating in the background. There was an octopus Upside there down. as well. There was yeah. an octopus there, there. and the whale. Yeah, <laughs> the, the whale. Oh. And the best of all, yes. the kid with Spider-Man face paint. Oh, he actually looks like my brother when my brother was little. Oh, that was cute. And the final bit of information. 
Rowan Atkinson's character Rufus was initially supposed to be an angel and would have disappeared uh, when he walked away from Liam Neeson in the airport scenes. You know when he just looks at Liam Neeson? Yeah. He would then apparently have just faded away. Philip said exactly that during... You did, Phil. He should have appeared in everyone's, like, short story. Mm. Yeah. That's something that they could have maybe fixed on. That's because I want more Rowan Atkinson, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. (laughs) That's the only reason I'm asking for it. So, let's score the film. Uh, So what we do at the end of each episode is we uh, give the film a rank out of 10, one being, ooh, no good, and 10 being, mwah, bellissimo. It's wonderful. (laughs) So greatest film ever made. Yeah, yeah, 10 being the greatest film ever made. So it's um, it's entirely uh, up to you what score you give it. Uh, but And of course, for the people listening at home, this doesn't mean that necessarily it's a bad film or not. It's just that we think it's a good or bad film. Um, so we'll start with you, Nicola, because you've done one of these before. Oh, like, that. Oh, I love this movie. Mm. I think it's so good. I watch it every Christmas time. Not quite as highly rated for me as, like, Elf is. That's, uh, I've seen that five times since the 1st of November, guys. Um, (laughs) This is the first time I've seen Love Actually this season. Mm. But every Christmas I watch it, I'd rate it like a nine and a half. I love it. Wow. Yeah, I love this movie. Mm. Uh, So, Phil, (laughs) what number would you give it then? It's not going to be nine and a half. (laughs) (laughs) No, it was an amazing film. It's really good. I always feel bad because I want to give everything a 10 all the time. Mm. But this, it was... Perfect thing to watch in the season with Christmas, with people you love all around you. <laughs> if you watch this at the right time, 8 out of 10. 8 out of 10? That's good. Yeah. Excellent. Um, I, I really enjoy it. I, I, it's a really great film. Um, I wa- I probably do watch it most Christmases. Um, I, I don't quite have the the season schedule that uh, Nicola does. I don't um, think anyone... I don't think Santa has the season schedule. Like in, in fairness, Santa, Santa's busy. <laughs> so, um, but but this, is, this is a really enjoyable film. Um, it's a film which... It's, it's there to make you feel good. It's there to make you feel um, as though things are all right, I think. I, I think all, gri- all good Christmas films do that. You know, It's a Wonderful Life does that. Uh, Muppets Christmas Carol does that. <sighs> To an extent, Die Hard does that. You know, all the Christmas films uh, that are really successful are films that just make you feel all right at the end and feel as though, you know, Christmas is is okay. Um, it, you know, it, 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 it probably is a good thing. Um, so for me, this film, it's really enjoyable. Lots of great actors. I am going to give it... Um, I'm going to give it eight uh, charming British uh, plot lines out of ten uh, as my score. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, that is it for our Christmas episode reviewing Love Actually. Philip and Nicola, thank you very much for joining me on this episode. Thanks, oh, thanks for, for having, having us. Mm. And for those of you listening at home, thank you very much for uh, listening to this episode and for listening to all the episodes that have come out this year, because uh, this is the last one for 2017. It's been uh, really wonderful bringing you these 37 episodes, and we look forward to doing, uh, well, I assume, if there's still 52 weeks, another 52 uh, in the coming year. Um, if you would like to keep on top of all those episodes, then you can find us on pretty much any podcasting service, uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, any sort of podcatching caster device that you've got. You can find us there. Just look for the cinema catch-up club we are also on facebook you can find us there by going to uh, the cinema catch-up club in i presume the search bar facebook's got one of them right uh so you can find us there and like the page tell your friends uh and of course uh if you want to help suggest films like our wonderful patrons did for this particular film uh then you can become a cinema catch-up club patron just go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast for as little as a dollar a month 
you can help make excellent film choices like this. Uh, and of course, for all other information, just go to thoughtjarproductions.com. But that's it for this episode, and indeed this year. So until next time, Merry Christmas. <laughs> You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.